Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Thanks for joining us. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Welcome to our Serious Healthcare Patient Room Next briefing campaign. I'm excited to get to our topic today. We have a great conversation with Dr. Stephanie Lars, CIO, CMIO at Monument Health. And today we're going to talk about ambient clinical intelligence solutions for documentation. This podcast series is going to culminate with an excellent webinar panel discussion, and we're going to have experts talking about Patient Room Next and how it improves care efficiency. You're going to hear some of that today from Stephanie, just a fantastic conversation. You can check out more information in the description box below, and there's also going to be a registration link there as well. You can also just hit our website, thisweekhealth.com, upcoming webinars in the top right-hand corner. We want to thank our sponsor for today, Nuance, for giving us some time with Stephanie to discuss this great topic. Now, on to the show. All right. Today, we are joined by Dr. Stephanie Lahr, CIO, CMIO for Monument Health. Stephanie, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here again. Always good to see you, Bill. Yep. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We've been talking clinical effectiveness, and the last time we talked about automation and AI, we talked Artisite and Natira today. We're going to talk a little bit about ambient clinical intelligence and solutions around that. So tell me about your journey into ambient clinical intelligence. What, what, what does that look like and what have you done? Yeah, so this is a journey we've been on with Nuance for about a year and a half, I would say. And for me personally, a journey I've been on with them, I, I work really closely with them and their product development teams for a lot of years now because we've known that this was something that we needed to do, that we needed to be able to take the, the documentation tools where we've got voice to text, but take it to the next level. And so just level setting on what that looks like is that ambient clinical intelligence documentation is technology that, right, it sits in the room and through capturing the native conversation between a patient and their clinician on the back end, that information can be turned into the appropriate elements of a document so that instead of, I mean, again, as good as Dragon Medical One and in these other voice to text solutions have become, it's still a separate step, right? I finish my interaction with the patient and then I still have to go and sort of regurgitate it in medical speak and put it into a document or maybe leverage tools through, through voice to text, as well as some of my EHR documentation. And so this journey that we've been on with them is, well, what does it look like? Again, if, if that technology can be in the room and can turn that conversation into a note that then all I need to do as the clinician is review it and potentially make some minor edits. And of course that is only possible with the utilization of artificial intelligence that through lots and lots, I mean, hundreds of probably thousands and maybe millions of different documents that have been assimilated 
and recordings that have been compared, right? The system in the background can start to say, oh, wow, okay, when I hear this, document this. And so when we started on the journey with Nuance to incorporate this into our health system, we looked at it in a couple of ways. One, we wanted to look at who were some of our clinicians that, particularly on the specialist side, who were really hard to get into and maybe weeks and months out. And if there was a way to make them more efficient in their day that they could add one to two more visits a day, then we could work on that backlog of appointments. And so maybe a way to get them two more appointments a day would be to take the documentation burden away and allow those notes to kind of create themselves. And so we started again in a a pilot situation with a handful of physicians. This technology is super exciting, but AI, and I I think I, I took this from Dr. Gustine from Artisite, who I think took it from Dr. Pfeffer in California. So it's, it's re- reutilized, but it's a great comment because it's AI is local. And I think that that's really a key concept to get your head around as we start incorporating AI into workflows is that the local part of it means out of the gate, it's not perfect, right? The nuances for no pun intended, of how I speak, the room that I'm in, the kinds of things I talk to a patient about, all of those things have to be worked on by the AI to truly get out of what we need to. And so as we worked with Nuance, they were still early in their journey on the AI side of this, and there was a human component to it as well. But it's been really fun to hear the comments we get back from physicians saying, add another couple of patients a day, just don't take this away. And that is the kind of comment that we're getting back from people who really are able to make the best use of this transitional kind of documentation. Okay. You've beyond piqued my interest. So I'm going to ask questions like a former CIO that I am, assuming I'm a CIO now. The So the question becomes, set up pilots. So these are room systems, right? So we're talking about microphones and cameras in rooms, or we think, is it different than that? Yeah. So one of the great things that happened during the pandemic was Nuance realized that the elements in the room that we had originally been talking with them about, which you can do really multi-array microphones and things like that just wasn't going to work. I mean, we had physicians sitting at home talking to patients, but I couldn't put a multi-array microphone in. So they retooled things and said, we're going to use this. And so that's actually what we use, which you're going to use your phone. You use a phone to capture the voice. And so you set up your, you're actually, you've got your EHR up on your screen. So if you want to be looking at old notes or whatever you can, but the capturing of the recording of what's happening between the patient and the clinician is through an app on your phone, going directly to their private cloud, which is then got all the AI and then there are people in the background that are doing the QA on it. And so that literally means I can put this in the hands of anyone in any location. 
Now that doesn't mean at some point down the road, we may not wanna install those kinds of devices in the room, not only for this, but for other purposes. And we have seen in a couple of scenarios where especially we have, if you have, a, let's say a surgeon who takes call and they happen to be on call and the device they were using was their own phone, we've actually morphed to providing them or having their office buy a phone specific for this because you don't want to get a call while you're all actually doing the visit as well. But in general, most of our providers are using even their own device. They put it on do not disturb and roll with it. And then at the end of the session, it's done, which again means they can take it anywhere. We can do it in any clinic. It also means, because the reality is, and I know Nuance would say this too, this tool, especially today, while we're still working through some of the learnings and growth of it, it's not going to be the best tool for every single person, but it is going to be a game changer tool for a group of people who in particular struggle with technology and the or struggle with documentation and the time management around that. And so if all I need to do is hand them a device like this, or they use their own and they get a license, it means I could have seven rheumatologists and three of them might use this and the other four might not because their workflows are varied and that's okay. I don't have to distribute it throughout the entire clinic because they just take the device into the next room and they're off and running. So you really can step into this. You can step into this. It's not like we're retooling a whole room. Because when I went and saw it at, I think it was Hims. Hims, yeah, yeah. It was so cool. It is really cool. But yeah. you're looking at it, you're going, oh my gosh, I got to do this to these rooms. Not that we're not already. We're already putting cameras into rooms. We're putting microphones into rooms. And I think as we start to think about this into the future, that might be the standard for a lot of rooms, I would assume. Yeah. Absolutely agree. I think one of the other things that's been great though about being able to do this for right now is, I don't know when the well, last time was that you tried to order cameras no, and yeah, microphones, su supply, supply switches and ports us. and all those kinds of things. So that's been hugely advantageous too, is we're using those kinds of things where we really need to, but when it's simple and straightforward like this, the phone works great. Yeah. And I'm somebody who has three iPhones. People are like, what do you need three iPhones for? Well, one of them's a camera, one of them's a microphone and one of them's my phone. Go figure. But go. that's the, that's the business I'm in, but I could see that being a clinical setup. You could almost have a phone on a tripod and essentially have the meeting, but I love how you can move around with this. So you said you set it up for a handful of practices. Are there practices that it works better for than others? You talked about specialties. Are there certain specialties it works in and not yet in others? Yeah. So I would, so when we first started talking to Nuance, they said, gosh, you might not want to do primary care because when you think about primary care, what is primary care? It's a little bit of everything. So when you try to teach AI, when we try to teach an algorithm, when you try and train an algorithm of any kind, you want to constrain the variables as much as you can. Well, primary care is no constraining of variables. I might talk about hip pain, my depression, and you know, a skin condition all in one setting. And that's really three different specialties. Now, with that said, Hal Baker at Wellspan, great friend of mine, really phenomenal work in this space too. He started with primary care because he felt like 
man, this is where I need, this is where, that's where he needed access. That's where he was seeing the highest levels of burnout. And so he has a whole bunch of primary care providers. I think maybe over a hundred at this point that are doing this in our setting. It has stayed more with specialists, but now we're rolling out to really, it's more anybody who wants it. And a couple of keys to that for us at least have been, and I'd be happy to talk to anybody in more detail. I don't want to get into too much of the nuts and bolts of this, but we have each cost center pay for this themselves. This doesn't sit in my budget. It's super easy to do that because it's a per license, individual license basis, which then means again, if cardiology has 15 cardiologists and this works really well for three of them, then they build that into their cost center. And it's not a cost that I'm distributing across all of the or the entirety of the organization. It also makes them a little more accountable for the tool and does it work and does making sure that they're using it because it's coming out of their cost center. And then that's part of what we're doing is people will come to us now and say, hey, so-and-so is using this super cool thing on their phone where it writes their note for them. Like, I want to do that. And then the first thing we actually do is we go and we look at leveraging Epic as our EHR, we look at their signal data and see how they perform as a documenter and in Epic. If you're super efficient, it doesn't matter what specialty you're in. If you're super efficient and you're turning notes around real time, this is probably not the tool for you. But if you're doing documentation after that patient walks out of the room, if at five o'clock that door is being shut and you spend another two hours on documentation, there's a lot of opportunity for this to help. The reason it doesn't help on the people that are really quick turnaround is, is the cognitive element of this. Because th no matter what, I'm going to have to look at this later, right? So that means I have to rewind my brain to that patient experience from a couple hours ago or 30 minutes ago or whenever it comes back into my queue and review it and say, yep, that pretty much captures it. We have some providers that are super efficient with front end tools that write their note while the patient is there, still have good patient experience. It doesn't overly burden them to do it. They walk out of the room, the note's done, the patient's happy, they're happy, great. This is probably not the tool for them. But a lot of our providers, that isn't the case. So we do that analysis as well, because there is that piece of it takes a while for it to come back. And that's one of the other pieces that we work through in setting expectations is early on, it's going to probably take a little bit longer because the AI is still learning and more QA is happening, and then it will get faster and shorter over time. And that's the exit question on this episode, which is all AI is local. And there is a, there's a learning curve. There's a learning curve on the AI side. There's also a learning curve, obviously, on the clinician side. But on the AI side, for it to truly understand you and to build an effective note, let's say one that only needs a couple of minor edits, how long does it take for it to really, I, I don't know, learn you so that it's effective? Yeah. So I think where nuance is at today, because they want this, they think that this will get better and better over time. But the numbers that we're kind of using generally is the AI gets turned on or really leveraged after about a hundred encounters. And then it's probably 400 encounters or more, give or take specialty and some other things before you would start to let it ride and go into self-edit and not do QA and, and those kinds of things. So it's, it's a commitment. And that's another piece that we look for is if this is a provider that really thinks they're only going to use the tool 
twice a week when they have long consults or something that come in, they might be a better candidate for it down the road. But it does take some time. That number is coming down further and further, and it's getting faster and faster. And again, some of it is provider dependent. If you have a really strong template in how you do your work and you follow that, well, the AI will follow that and learn from that. And that will be much faster than, than somebody else. So it is a little bit individualized, but those are some rough numbers. Right. that I've And so you could have people on Dragon Medical One, you could have people on DAX and, and, and yeah, the right tool for the right experience. Stephanie, always fantastic to catch up with you. I really appreciate the time and love what you're doing up there at Monument Health. Thanks so much. Good to talk to you, Bill. I love talking to Stephanie. So many great things happening up there at Monument Health and another great discussion with her. I want to thank our sponsor for today, Nuance, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Don't forget this whole series ends with a great webinar. We have four magnificent healthcare leaders, Anna Baker-Garber, former CNIO for HCA Healthcare, Billy Pros, Emerging Technologies and Innovation at Intermountain, Fred Holston, Director of Healthcare at Sirius Healthcare, a CDW company, and of course, Dr. Stephanie Lahr, CIO, CMIO at Mind Human Health. And we're going to talk about patient room next, what the future holds for the patient room. We're going to talk all these really cool technologies that you've been hearing about in this campaign. You can check out more information in our description box below. There's also a registration link. Of course, you can hit our website, thisweekhealth.com, upcoming webinars in the top right-hand corner. Love to have you join us September 29th at one o'clock Eastern time. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.